This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. No other parent or community should have to live through this nightmare. I have shared previously, and I will reiterate today, that gun ownership is a right, and with that right comes great responsibility. Based on the information and evidence I have received, today I am announcing charges against the shooter's parents, Jennifer and James Crumbly. Well, it's almost unprecedented, folks. The deadly school shooting in Michigan, now a family affair. I'm Eric Bowling in for Greg tonight. As prosecutors make history in a case that could forever change parenting in America. That's right, parenting in America. I'm talking about the devastating tragedy in the Detroit suburb of Oxford Township, Michigan. 15-year-old Ethan Crumbly accused of killing four classmates, wounding at least seven other students and staff members today. His parents are being held responsible in an extremely rare turn of events. Jason and Jennifer Crumbly formally charged with four counts each of involuntary manslaughter this afternoon. Important to note, this is not a lawsuit as we've seen in several other recent school shootings. These are criminal charges that could carry a 15-year prison sentence. Criminal charges based on what investigators believe to be a mountain of evidence showing the couple knew their son was a threat and allowed him to get his hands on a gun. That gun... A 9mm SIG, that's apparently been out of production for years. Experts say that means it was likely purchased through a private seller, believe, I believe it was legally purchased, even bragged on Instagram about getting it a few days before the shooting, tagging with a somewhat threatening message. Today we learned where he got the weapon. James Crumbly purchased a SIG Sauer 9mm model SP-2022 from Acme Shooting Goods in Oxford, Michigan, on November 26, 2021. A store employee confirms that Ethan Crumbly was present with James at the time of the purchase. The six-hour 9mm handgun purchased by James Crumbly was stored unlocked in a drawer in James and Jennifer's bedroom. The gun recovered from the shooter at the school after the shooting was the same gun that was purchased by his father, James Crumbly on November 26, 2021, in the presence of his son. It was a Christmas gift from his parents, and now that's not illegal in the state of Michigan. But in the case of Ethan Crumley, prosecutors say there were more than enough warning signs that this young man should not have been given access to a deadly weapon and that his parents missed several opportunities to stop the shooting before it happened. 
Just last week, his mother also posted on Instagram touting a mother's son outing to test the new gun, but it sounds like both parents were already aware that Ethan was having problems at school, potentially being bullied by other students. They had already been called into a meeting with school officials after Ethan was seen searching online for ammunition. Text messages show mom told Ethan to stop getting caught. So do parents have a responsibility to consider the mental health of their children before buying them a deadly weapon? The district attorney in Oakland County, Michigan, says they absolutely do. The notion that a parent could read those words and also know that their son had access to a deadly weapon that they gave him is unconscionable, and, it, and I think it's criminal. And the note she's referring to there was a chilling doodle that a teacher found on Ethan's desk the morning of the shooting. It's featured a drawing of a semi-automatic weapon, a bullet, a shooting victim, and a laughing emoji. It was also included the words, blood everywhere. Thoughts won't stop. Help, help me. My life is useless, he says, and the world is dead, he doodled. That note led to an emergency meeting with school officials and the Crumblies, but the couple apparently refused to pull Ethan out of school. Reports say they also failed to even ask if Ethan had a new gun with him. And nobody, nobody, folks, and this is important, ever searched Ethan's backpack, which he had with him in that meeting. Turns out he did have the gun with him, the gun that he had just been given on Black Friday. A short time later, he allegedly used it to kill these four innocent young men and women. Shortly after the shooting, Ethan's father called 911 to report the gun missing from the locker room, the bedroom door, the locked, unlocked bedroom drawer, that is. And his mother texted Ethan, quote, saying, quote, Ethan, don't do it. Why did they give their troubled teenager a gun for Christmas? Why did they keep it? Why didn't they keep it locked up when they detected possible problems? Why didn't they alert school officials about the gun that morning when Ethan wrote the chilling note. Those questions will be part of an historic case against two parents who could take the fall for something their child did. Since the Columbine High School shooting back in 1999, there have only been a handful of parents convicted on criminal charges in connection with the school shooting carried out by their children. There's been nearly 200 school shootings in that period. And the vast majority of the weapons used came from the child's home or a relative. We could only find a handful of parents who were convicted of criminal charges. Today, the prosecutor in Michigan says she's not trying to set an example here or even create a new precedent, but that she just couldn't ignore the facts of the case. Listen. I have tremendous compassion and empathy for parents who have children who are struggling and at risk for whatever reason. And I am by no means saying that an active shooter situation should always result in a criminal prosecution against parents. But the facts of this case are so egregious. Reading this document, looking at it, reading the words, help me, with a gun, blood everywhere. This doesn't just have impact me as a prosecutor and a lawyer. It impacts me as a mother. Okay, here to react to my monologue, Second Amendment columnist for Breitbart News, AWR Hawkins, and child and adolescent family therapist, Darby Fox. 
So let me start with you, AWR. Tell us about this case. This is unique in that parents are being held accountable for something that their child has done, a 15-year-old. God forbid if we hold the parents accountable for everything a 15-year-old does in America. But is this case, as a prosecutor points out, does this case go beyond the pale? Does this case say, you know what, they were really negligent? What are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are, uh, you know, I'm like you. I have very, I have a high degree of trepidation when we talk about charging parents for the actions of their children. At the same time, I guess they'll have to look. What kind of access was given to the firearm? Was the firearm literally bought for the boy? All kinds of questions like that to be answered. But what I always fear, Eric, in a situation like this, and I've learned to fear it because the left is the left. Oftentimes, they'll use an opportunity like this to go after somebody because they couldn't secure the gun control they wanted in Congress, even in the state legislature. And so they couldn't get a gun storage law there, so they go this way. And, and I'm, not, I'm not pointing fingers at anyone right now. I'm saying, Eric, those are the concerns I have when I see this unfold. Yeah, AWR, staying with you just for a second. I'll, I'll get to Darby in just one moment. But AWR, I watched that prosecutor and I felt her pain. I felt for her when she said, I can't ignore these parents because there was too much negligence going on. On the other hand, up until the kid brought the, the firearm, took it out of the parents and, and left the house with it, leaving the parents behind, he hadn't done anything wrong. I, don't, I, I believe it's not illegal in the state of Michigan to buy a gun for a, 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 a minor and have a minor shoot a gun with parental supervision. My fear is yours, fear, AWR, that the world, the leftists running the country will say, see, this is why we need stronger gun control in America. Yet, you know, when, when, a, when a leftist nut job plows down people in Waukesha, Wisconsin with a car, no one's suggesting we pull back more cars from people in America, do they? <laughs> No, and you're exactly right. And, and I think something's important to point out, Eric. And I have a piece going up right now at Bright Park, literally right now. The sheriff pointed out that the school never alerted him about this kid who turns out to be a shooter. And he says that if the school had involved a resource officer in the meetings that happened with this kid, that the sheriff, just by normal protocol, wouldn't have gone to the home and made sure the kid had zero access to firearms. So. We have a situation where there could have been failures at multiple levels. And again, Eric, it's just what I fear. I'm not pronouncing things. I'm just saying I fear the parents could be scapegoated here. And uh, I don't know. It's something we'll just have to watch unfold. You know, let me bring it over to Darby. Darby, uh, there was reports that the teacher saw scribbling or doodling of, of, of Ethan Crumley saying, quote, help me, or my life is useless. And then the world is dead, along with bloody bullets and, and someone being shot to death. And then there are also, and, and, and this was the day of, and then there are also reports that mom at one point texted son Ethan saying, quote, LOL, I'm not mad at you, learn not to get caught when he was trying to buy ammunition. Is that enough, Darby, is that enough to put these parents in the crosshairs of prosecution? Well, that, that really isn't my area of expertise, the law. Um, there were warnings from the Smith, his note, his letter, um, help, bloody guns, anything like that is always to be read as someone this very dark, this person's in trouble, and we should reach out and help them in any way we can. And um, so, so that was definitely missed on a variety of levels.
So, so, and, and I'm not asking for your legal opinions, either one of you. I'll start with, I'll stay with you, Dar Darby, for a second. But, okay, so prosecutor wants to charge parents for, for missing the signs. What about school officials for missing the signs? They had that kid in the, in the office, the dean's office, I presume, or if, uh, official's office, and, and the kid's carrying a backpack. No one thought to check the backpack, and no one thought to say, you know what, maybe the kid should take a little time off and, and go home and calm down a little bit. Uh, Darby, did, did, is the school not just as culpable as the parents? I don't know that they're just as culpable, but it, it certainly... Um you, sh you should say, if someone's sending those kind of notes and they're that troubled, you want them out of school and you want to get them some extra help. It's a very sad situation all the way around. And what we want to focus on is why is he doing this? There's incredible rejection, unresolved pain. This child cannot interact normally in a school social environment. So at every level, we should, that's a warning sign. We I should pull them out now. and we can better that. It's AWR. Can, can you tell me if the school, the, in your opinion, not your legal opinion, obviously, but in your personal opinion, you're a human being, right? Um, you're, you're a part of humanity. You're an American. Should this, don't you think the school is just as much culpable as parents in this case? Well, Eric, I, I tend to lean your way. I mean, uh, Superintendent Thorne made clear, he said that this, none of the situations with the student rose to the level of quote unquote discipline. And so the school never triggered their protocol to involve a resource officer, which in turn never triggered the sheriff's department of Oakland County. It never triggered their protocol to go to the home and remove guns. And so, you know, the, there's a lot here if you start looking at who didn't do what. And again, that's why I worry that the parents could be scapegoated here. And, and what I worry about, Eric, and it's just me, you asked for my opinion, I worry that that law-abiding gun purchases could be scared about buying guns because they think, wow, what if somebody takes my gun and they use it in a crime or they come right. after me? And I, I'm not even trying to stretch it. I'm just saying I think all those concerns play out, Eric. I think they're part of it. You know, I think, you know, <laughs> a very controversial comment here, but I think there should be more guns in schools handled by people, good guys with guns, so this, this thing doesn't happen anymore. And by the way, the, that school, I'm sorry, that school dropped the ball. Second Amendment columnist for Breitbart News, A.W.R. Hawkins, and child and adolescent family therapist, Darby Fox. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. Alec Baldwin's sobbing interview with ABC is now in the bag. The big takeaway, not his fault. Yeah, right. Will the criminal courts agree with that guy? Celebrity attorney Mark Garagos joins us after the break. She's standing next to the camera. She's like this, you're me. She's got a monitor here. The camera is here filming that way. She takes a monitor that, his, that is his monitor, the operator, and turns it toward her. It swivels, and she says to me, hold the gun lower. 
Go to your right. Okay, right there. All right, do that. Now show it a little bit lower. And she's getting me to position the gun. Everything is in her direction. She's guiding me through how she wants me to hold the gun for this angle. And I, I draw the gun out and I find a mark. I draw the gun out and I find a cut. And what's really urgent is the gun wasn't meant to be fired in that angle. So if you're shooting directly into the camera lens, you're not aiming. I'm not shooting into the camera lens. I'm shooting just off. Just off. Right. In her direction. I'm holding the gun where she told me to hold it, which ended up being aimed right in below her armpit. It was what I was told. I don't know. Yeah, not my fault. A lot of fast talking and theatrics there from Alec Baldwin's big exclusive interview last night. But when you listen to it a few more times, you can boil it down to not my fault. Not a lot of tough questions from the friendly confines of George Stephanopoulos and the Disney News Network, ABC. So will America's angriest actor face criminal charges over the death of a producer he accidentally shot and killed on set? Attorney Mark Garegos has some has represented some of the most famous people in the world, from Michael Jackson to Winona Ryder and Chris Brown. He knows a thing or two about defending high-profile public figures. Mark joins me now. Mark, I, I mean, this whole idea of not my fault, Hutchins told me how to do it, and this other idea, Mark, I didn't pull the trigger. This is his defense. I didn't pull the trigger. Somehow that bullet dislodged. Well, let me tell you, the, uh, he's a great actor, and even knowing that, he clearly showed emotion and he showed remorse. However, I do not see an upside to this. He's got two things that he's got to be concerned about, his criminal exposure and his civil liability. This interview, um, he's, uh, when somebody says you're going to watch it a couple more times, he's going to see this thing a hundred times over because either in a civil case, the lawyers during a deposition are going to jam it down his throat or in a criminal case for involuntary manslaughter, a prosecutor is going to play it again and again and again. And I don't understand. Well, I do understand why he did it. Um, unfortunately, when you're famous as opposed to infamous in these kinds of cases, you think more in terms of reputation and damage control. Uh, as of right now, that's the least of his worries. Now, right, take a listen to what his argument has been all along. Listen. The gun was supposed to be empty. I was told I was handed an empty gun. If there were cosmetic rounds, nothing with a charge at all, a flash round, nothing. She goes down. I thought to myself, did she faint? The notion that there was a live round in that gun did not dawn on me till probably 45 minutes to an hour later. 45 minutes to an hour? Well, she's laying there and I go, did she get hit by wadding? Was there a blank? Sometimes those blank rounds have a wadding inside that packs, it's like, like a cloth that packs the gunpowder in. Sometimes wadding comes out and can hit people and it can feel like a little bit of a poke. But no one could understand, did she have a heart attack? Because remember, the idea that someone put a live bullet in the gun was not even in reality. Did you? So, I mean, I mean Mark, honestly, that, I mean, that is asinine, 45 minutes to an hour later. I mean, clearly, the people were attending to, the, to, to Hutchins, who was dying and died right there. I mean, give me a freaking break. So he does this interview. Does this not come up in court where you go, what do you mean that 45 minutes to an hour later, Alec? We all know that isn't the case. What, does that hold up in Look, court? There's, you could start off with the fact that other actors, both 
George Clooney on the left, John Schneider on the right, have both called this out as absurd, and uh, that's not a good thing. And when you talk about court, I'm telling you, whether it's civil or criminal, you know, and I'm not advocating for him to get filed on criminally. I, I defend people. Uh, but the fact is, I don't know why or what ever possessed his people to let him do this, because it makes zero sense. Well, you, well, you check your, your message there, Mark. Thank you. Um, thank, thank you. That might have been him calling, told me to do that. It might have been him calling. He's like, he did he needs a good lawyer. It's exactly. But here's the issue that these these Hollywood people, they're so tied up in their own worlds that, that the real world almost doesn't apply to them. You know, like I'm somehow going to act my way out of this. Acting involves getting choked up and crying sometime. Watch this and you tell me if you think this is real. Because I used to love to make movies. I did. You know, I worked with people once. I was going to do the movie The Edge, and uh, they called me and said they got Tony Hopkins to do the film. What are you making? Yeah, look, if we're here. And I started sobbing. I just started sobbing because I thought, oh, God, I'm going to have a chance to work with this guy. Any chance you can go easy on me? When they cast me in It's Complicated with Meryl, I thought, I'm going to get to go make a movie with her. <laughs> you know... <clears throat> You know, people, they have their dreams. No matter how old you are, you have your dreams. Oh, my gosh. Honestly, Mark, this reminds me exactly of one Jussie Smollett when he was saying that he that he was beat up because he was a gay actor. And, and, and that that we now know never happened. Does this work? Well, look, I'll give you a caveat on Jesse. He's on trial. Let's presume his innocence, first of all. But with this, the problem is that he's in, and I use the pun, in the crosshairs. He's still got a sheriff and a DA who are investigating this case. He has criminal exposure. I know he said elsewhere in that interview, I've been told I'm, you know, I'm not kind of exposed or it's a long shot. I don't care what you've been told. That yeah. that could be, you know, there the the I've often said if the if you lie to the cops, it's a crime. If the cops right. lie to you, it's good police work. Mark, I got to go. I appreciate your time. You're going to be a busy guy. I got a lot of celebrities trying to hire you in defense ideas. Mark Aragos, thank you thanks, so much. Thanks. All right, Joe Biden forced to bring back President Trump's remain in Mexico policy. Can you tell from this announcement that he's not too happy about it? Check it out. Be right back. Joe Biden's ancestors came to this country as Irish immigrants. He knows better, he needs to do better, and he did break all of his campaign promises. Oh boy, Joey baby. When you lose the ladies on The View, you know you're in trouble, right? Sonny Hostin reacting to the news that the Biden administration was forced to reinstate President Trump's Remain in Mexico policy. Here's the announcement from the Department of Homeland Security. You think they tried to bury it deep enough? It doesn't even say Remain in Mexico anywhere on it. But 
Once again, 45 was right about immigration all along, and the courts in Texas and Arizona agreed that migrants applying for asylum have to stay in Mexico until the process is complete, you know, so they, so they don't just vanish into the United States with the hope that they'll appear at some sort of asylum hearing someday, maybe. Former Acting Commissioner of Customs and Border Protection, Mark Morgan, joining me now along with former Chief of U.S. Border Patrol, Rodney Scott. Uh, let, let me start with you, Mark Morgan, if I, if I may. The Biden administration forced to comply with a, a policy that was working, remain in Mexico, yet they don't want to admit that they're going to do that, do they? they won't, they'll never publish that. Yeah, that's exactly right. What's what's uh, kind of interesting about that memo you referred to, and uh, Eric, in the first line, it actually says how this is within the Immigration Nationality Act to, to actually implement this program. So th there's, there's so many multiple layers of hypocrisy. And let's go back. Look, th it's been clear since even before the election, um, they have been very adamant to end this program. One, because Trump's name was attached to it. And 